Ding dong! It's your boy, Paris Grant, coming to you with another episode of the Millennial to Millionaire podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in. I am a little hopped up because I just finished working out, so I'm feeling nice and swole and on top of everything. So, um... Yeah, we're jumping right back into it. This is kind of a continuation of the beginner investment series, yes, but this is also kind of marking the end. I should remind you, though, that investing is an ongoing process of learning. I don't think that there's anyone who has investing so down that they can just always get it right, even Warren Buffett, even the best investor you can think of. He's the first person I think of. There's like Ray Dalio, like Warren Buffett, I can't really, whatever, it doesn't matter. But... I know that, you know, I'm pretty high speed and I can kind of be all over the place in my episodes. So I do appreciate you guys for rocking with me through all of those. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But um, I kind of wanted to make this episode to clarify and kind of, you know, answer all the questions that have been circulating around. In the last episode, I said I was going to be answering some questions. These are questions I've been getting since like forever once you tell people once I kind of tell people that I'm into finance and everything and I want to be a millionaire it's kind of one of the conversations that comes up and with it a lot of questions so I decided to put together five of the most frequently asked questions when it comes to investing and I think it's um yeah hopefully I think this episode is going to be really enlightening and depending on how much information you've gotten out of these episodes I think that this episode can be the one that really kind of solidifies it But like I said, it's not like I'm never going to talk about investing or never give any advice or tips as I'm reading or as I'm researching or as I'm learning. I'm going to be relaying it all to you because this podcast, it isn't for me because a lot of the things I talk about are things I already know about. That's the reason why I'm talking about them. So it's more like a service to anyone else who can benefit from this information, which is why I'm always telling you guys to go tell a friend. If you listen to my podcast and you hate it, I would still say go tell a friend just because, hey, they might get it. They might there might be a piece of information in there that you thought was useless that they could really use. But I'm going to go spare you guys a self-promotion, at least for now. And I'm just going to go ahead and jump right into it. So the five most common investing questions I've ever received. When should I start investing? So. When it comes to investing, I think a lot of us think of it as kind of like an old person's game. It's like something that you do when you're in your 30s or 40s, because I think that's when it becomes a lot more relevant. But the reason for that is that, you know, at that point, retirement's around the corner. When you're in your like teens and 20s and even early 30s, I'd even say even in your 30s, you know, that's the time when you I would say you should start investing. But, you know, unfortunately, it's not the time when everybody does. That being said, the best time to start investing was yesterday, was 10 years ago, 20 years ago. But you can't go back in time. So I say the best time to start is as soon as possible. And I say today, I say whenever you have the funds to do so, get started. I recommend a robo advisor or investing in the S&P 500. But if you want to go pick individual stocks, you can go ahead and do that. And I'm going to kind of do an episode about that a little bit later on. I can't promise when, but I do for the people who are interested in trading or being active investors. That's when, you know, you're not really putting money into it consistently. You're kind of trading money. You're buying in, buying out, like, you know, it's a little bit more hands on. I'm going to be doing another investment series for people who are into trading specifically. But for those of you who just want to get started investing and get started saving up for your future, I'd say the best time to start is now. How much should I start with? Uh, You know, it's usually the follow up question. Uh. I don't really know a lot of people my same age who are millionaires. I know people who are on their way who will probably become millionaires, but, you know, 
I've, a big misconception is that you need to have like $10,000 to start. And I mean, obviously, I'm only talking about investing within the stock market. I can't speak for everything else, but the minimums are very low. And I don't think that there is like a specific number. I'd say if you really don't have that much, you could download an app like Acorns and eventually trade up, go from Acorns to another bigger robo advisor like Betterment. And then after you save up enough money, go into like, you know, a more traditional like bank like TD Ameritrade or Vanguard. Those are the two that I use. That's the first ones that come into my mind, but there are many more out there. But um, I don't think that there is a minimum. I think that it should be an amount of money that you're okay with losing. Like, don't put in any money that you would ever want to see back within five years. That's the rule that I use. So if you're planning on moving out of your house one day or within the within five years and you're saying, okay, look, I got $10,000, right? This is for my housing. I'm going to go ahead and invest it and then take it out later. I wouldn't I wouldn't do so so make sure whatever amount of money it is it's an amount of money you're willing to lose or okay with losing and at that point yeah it's whatever yeah it's the same thing as time like every cent counts if you put in one cent even if you even put in one cent if you let it compound long enough it'll turn into a million obviously it's not gonna go that fast but I think that getting started even with a small amount is great because if right now you're not making that much and you put in a you put in five dollars every day when you start making more, that $5 is really nothing. You can up it up to 10, 20, whatever, and keep it scaling. But you've already set that framework of saying, okay, like I'm used to having, I'm used to only having 90% of my income because you uh, put 10% into investments. You just get used to having that 90% and you just keep on doing that and it keeps on scaling up. And, you know, obviously the more money you make, the more money you'll have to invest, but don't let a lack of money or very low amounts of money keep you from getting in the game because that small amount of money is what's going to get you that big money so what kind of stock should i buy what should i invest in once i've opened up the account i've been preaching the s p 500 and the reason why i do so is because how do i put it if you're getting started investing for the first time i wouldn't recommend picking individual stocks i'd say go as broad as possible and the reason for it is because the deeper and more concentrated you get the more complicated it's going to get and if you're just now learning about this and I'm your only source of information, like you haven't done any of your own research, you're not going to be well equipped and you're going to end up losing money, which is going to burn you, which is going to help, which is going to stop you. I say go as broad as possible. I say go as broad as possible. But, 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 but if you are going to invest in like an individual stock and you're asking me, oh, what stock should I invest in? I always just go and say 20 years from now, do you see X company still being around? So obviously, you know, there was a time when AT&T was like a monopoly. There was a time when we thought that, I mean, I don't know who remembers Enron. I wasn't around for Enron, but I don't know if anybody knows about that. There's like a lot of companies that people thought were like, this is forever. Like, this is it. Like, Blockbuster. Like, we're doing this. Like, this is it. And then eventually, you know, as time and automation keeps on going, it all, you know, they're gone. My first stock I ever, the first thing I ever invested in was Apple. And it was legit because I was like, I have an Apple TV at home. I have an iPhone. My uncle uses a Mac. Apple, 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 Apple. And I've been lucky enough that Apple, you know, is doing pretty well. But um, I wouldn't recommend people saying, okay, look, I'm just going to go get a bunch of money and put it into Apple because there's going to be ups and downs. If you're really that down and you're a fan of something and you can really think of yourself as an owner of whatever company and you're okay with that, then I'd say pick whatever, yeah, what, like whichever company or stock you know about the best. But I mean, again, that's me saying also that you should not, that you should not be, um, 
investing in individual stocks. And then the last, last question is, how can I get better at investing? Investing is like an art form and like almost anything else in the world, if you do it, lo the longer you do it, the better you'll get at it. Um, that being said, I think that one of the best things you can do for learning more about investing is listening to the Millennial to Millionaire podcast with Paris Grant. Also, I recommend reading a lot of uh, I recommend reading as many books as possible. I'm doing another episode on book recommendations for this specific purpose. The books that I've read that have helped me the best, helped me the most when it comes to investing. And yeah, so I'm going to go ahead and drop that next episode. But I'd say yeah, just researching, just getting immersed in it. Uh, if you really want to, I'd say just jump into it like you already know what you're doing and then watch yourself make the mistakes and learn from them. But it's never something that, you know, you ever it's not something that you ever kind of master or get super good at. You can get to a point where you know what you're doing, but you can't it might not always be successful. I definitely think to just education and just immersing yourself with different kind of viewpoints on it. There are a lot of podcast. Uh, there's a lot of other podcasts like Market Watch. Um, I can't remember some other ones, but they literally will go and like review individual stocks and just kind of like getting to know the lingo, getting to understand what this and that means so that when you when you're faced with that investing decision, you're like, OK, wow, like I learned about this because even now there's times when I'll go back into my old books and be like, OK, yeah, like this is why I'm doing this or this is why I should stop doing this. And just constantly getting that knowledge and then you'll end up getting better investing. All right. So that's the five most common questions about investing. After a quick little break from my sponsor, I got one last pro tip for you guys when it comes to investing, saving and spending something that will help you guys immensely throughout all your lives. And hopefully you've already done it. Can you guess what it is? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But either if you, even if you can't guess, I do hope that after I tell you that you start doing so. So I'll be right, right back. Hello, I am back. Thank you guys for listening to that. Somehow, some way, I forgot to add in the fifth question. I realize now I only answered four questions. So in addition to the pro tip I'm giving you, I'm also going to answer the fifth question because it's actually very, very, very important. And the fifth question is, if I'm paying down debt, should I still invest? And this is kind of a tricky one. And it's very personal to, you know, people. And it's kind of perfect that I save this one for last because it's kind of a loaded question. Personal finance is very much personal. When it comes to when it comes, we all have different feelings about debt. We all have different feelings about investing. I'm going to go give you my advice, but it might not work for you. And it might, you know, you might, you might find that you, you know, you, yeah, like you just have a different mindset on it. What I would do is historically the stock market has returned about seven, seven to 8% return, right? Which means if you put in a hundred dollars, you can realistically assume to make anywhere from seven to $8. So, and I don't know, I, I don't know what the rate on student loans are or any other kind of debt you might be paying down. But I always say that if the rate of your debt is not is exceeded by the rate of your investing or what you expect to make investing, pay the minimums down and you'll end up making more from investing anyway. So that way you can go pay it off. That way you can go pay it off and still have yourself a nice looking portfolio. Now, this doesn't sit right with some people, because if you're like me and you track your net worth and you guys should be tracking your net worth the month. The month just ended uh, recently or just started recently. So start tracking that. 
if you check your net worth, that's always going to bring it down. You can kind of tell yourself, okay, like, yeah, like I have this much here, I have this much there, so it doesn't really matter. So I think it just depends on how you feel about debt in general. Me personally, I would very much like to be debt free. And, you know, I'm going to be, it's kind of like my next goal for the year is to pay off at least one more group of my student loan debt. But there's some people out there who don't mind having that debt because they understand the opportunity that it ha- that it brings to them and they don't really mind because they're like, they'll just invest and pay the minimums. But that's more of a personal question, I'd say. But if you're speaking strictly financial, the best thing to do would be to pay off, pay whatever has the highest rate, which means that if your debt is at 4% and that you're investing, you can expect to make 8%. Go with the investing, pay the minimums, and then pay it down as soon as you can, as soon as you have enough money to do so. Um, And then, okay, yeah. So then that's the fifth and final question. So now for the pro tip, I'm not good enough at editing to add an actual drum roll effect. That would be pretty crazy if I could, though. But um, it's automation, automation, automation. And usually when we talk about automation, or usually when I hear about automation, it's talking about terms of robots doing our jobs, like the fact that we're going to have driverless cars and just robots at the kiosk. And, you know, and while it is very valid that if your job doesn't require you to have a bachelor's degree experience to do it, it's probably going to be replaced by a robot. But that's a whole conversation for a whole nother day, a whole nother episode, maybe even a whole nother podcast. But the automation I'm talking about is the systematic kind of withdrawal of your money by a computer so that you get out of your own way. Because let me tell you something, when it comes to investing, when it comes to spending, when it comes to saving, the person who is going to get in your way the most is in the mirror. Go look, go look in the mirror. Get up right now. I don't know where you are at right now. Go look in the mirror. That person looking back at you wants you to be broke. That person doesn't want you to save any money. They want you to spend it all. And... You know, it's not, this isn't a self-loathing exercise. This isn't something to make you feel bad about yourself or cry, but I believe in taking accountability. Whenever I see somebody with a lot of money, I uh, I used to kind of judge them and be like, oh, they're probably like, you know, this probably got off from their dad. They're probably not actually rich, blah, blah, blah. One, it doesn't really matter other people's like financial situation, but um, I've learned to kind of give people respect where it's due. If, and it's like, uh, it's just having that accountability because when things are good, you don't want to have that credit taken away from you. But when things are bad, you're so quick to say it's this, it's this, it's that. But when you can realize that it's all on you, your successes and your failures, it's really empowering. And automation is just a way that makes it easier for you to get out of your own way. So, you know, automating, like I said, systematic withdrawal of your money. It's one of those things where I'm gonna give you an example of where automate where automation is just great for your fi- for your financial life. You know, you wake up, you wake up one day, you're going through the day, you're chilling, having a good, you're having a great time, and then you're getting ready to go out. You go check your account because you know you want to see how much money you have to spend tonight, and it's fifty dollars less than you thought it was gonna be. You're flabbergasted that I get robbed. Did I really spend that much at f- on food today? Did I really do this? Did I really do that? Nope. You your phone bill just got paid. If you have a $50 phone bill also, by the way, let me know, because mine's a lot higher than that. But, you know, your phone bill just got paid. But now you're thinking in your head, damn, like, I would have used that money to go out for drinks tonight. But now your phone bill's been paid, so you don't have to, that's a whole other debt you don't have to worry about. So when you have new money coming in, it's not, you're not worried about, oh, I have to go pay that down. You'll never have to worry about your phone getting disconnected, and it'll actually, and on-time payments actually increase your credit score. All things that you would not have done, but because you had it done for you, your financial life has, in, has improved. This is a perfect example of why automation is great. 
And like, if you're like me and you have a variable income, you know, I work by the hour. My hours aren't the same every week. It's generally around the same. But because I go by percentages, um, because I go by percentages, the numbers are always going to be a little bit different. I like to go down to the very cent. So I'd say if you have a variable income like me, only automate your fixed costs, your gym membership, your phone bill, the things that are going to be the same month in and month out. And by doing so, you get out of your own way, you free up some, you free up your money, and you will have a lot less stress and worry, and you'll get richer. Um, I can't remember what show it was that I was watching the other day, but in the show, the guy was saying, okay, like, uh, he was like, he was talking about racehorses, and he's saying, like, you know, sometimes you have, like, these really wild racehorses, they're really fast, and they're crazy, but, like, because they're so crazy, you know, you can't get them on the track. Like they'll run in every direction. They just don't know where to go. But like they like to go fast, but they can go really fast backwards or really fast sideways. You know what I mean? They can't like it's hard to tame them. So one method is to kind of castrate them. But then so they might have some of the same speed, but like they're not gonna have the same energy. They're not gonna have that same spark, that same oomph that, you know, like made them special in the first place. And that's kind of like life without that automation. You're kind of going and you're doing it and like you're here, you're there, but you're more reactionary. You're kind of just like going, you're very sporadic. It's not very controlled. But when you add in automation, even though, even if you automate one aspect of your financial life, you know, it's the equivalent of putting blinders on that same horse. So that same horse is going to go fast. It's going to go full speed ahead. It's going to be enjoying itself because it doesn't know that it's on the track. So when you automate, it's kind of like, you know, you don't have to be focused so much on saying, okay, I got to be on top of this. This bill's coming in on the 13th and then I got to pay this on the 26th. When you automate it, it's just going to go do it on its own. So you don't have to, so you get out of your own way. You are your own blinders. Uh, another example of automation, I do the, I automate this podcast. I'll get in some days, I'll record three, four episodes and then drop them throughout the week. So I don't have to worry about it. I get out of my own way because I, because beforehand, when I first started recording this, I would record the episodes like, an hour before I posted them I would record put them up oh wait oh my god I haven't recorded in a couple days oh gotta record put them up but now I get out of my own way so now I don't have to worry okay did I put out an episode today no I automated it I already set it up the episode's already out and while that might be a little demystifying to some of you I assure you that I don't record too many in one day because I don't like to lose that touch and I try to be more kind of receptive to what you guys want to hear and I try to look at the analytics to see if it's even working out so I do small batches but adding in any piece of automation is great for your financial life and even personal life sometimes hopefully throughout this series i've helped you guys out giving you guys some tips some helpful advice that you feel like you can use it's always my goal to help you guys feel more financially empowered after listening to an episode so please 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 give yourselves a pat on the back yes you guys deserve it thank you for listening to the investment series this is it. This is the last episode of the series, but I do plan on going to an intermediate and hard mode investing series. Um, I can't say when, but you know, this has been really fun for me and it's something I really want to do for a long time. And I definitely want people to kind of use this as a resource looking through past episodes to try to see what they can get out of it while doing their own research. But um, yeah, next episode is book recommendations part two. Thank you guys for listening to Millennial to Millionaire podcast. Make sure to subscribe, leave a rating, a review, tell a friend, please, please tell a friend. I will be more active on social media. I can't say when, but I know it's going to happen soon. But um, other than that, this is the Millennial to Millionaire podcast. We don't keep it 100. We keep it 1 million.